0: Good morning, everybody. Is it morning for you? It's morning for me. Maybe you're having your cup of coffee and then we're having this special morning moment together. You and me, connected. Uh, listen, everybody, I got some important announcements. You might want to you might want to sit down for this. You might want to put down that cup of coffee so it doesn't get all over your rug. You might want to take a deep breath and just, uh, listen, there's going to be less run your mouths for the next three weeks. I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not quitting the show. We're not putting out less things. It's just I'm working on an end of your thing. It's taking up a lot of my time. I got drawings to do. I've got writers meeting. I got producers to yell at. I got venue contracts. I got chair negotiations. You think putting together live shows is easy? You're wrong. You, you try and live this lifestyle. You try and fly around the world and negotiate with venues. Listen, now it sounds like I'm complaining. I was just trying to make a venue. Things are fucking cool right now. Uh, so here's the deal. We're going to do next episode probably live from Kansas City with Menu and Heart. And then we'll probably be putting them out weekly. Might do another one this week. I got a cool episode coming out right now. This is the live one that we just did from Tucson, Arizona. That was a cool show. Uh, If you're ever out in that area, check out the Music Box Lounge. Fun little venue. Uh, Fan uh, owns it. Hosted us for the show. All right. That's it. You know, no more announcements. Here's the live episode followed by uh, an episode I did with Steven with a little bit of a COVID update. And uh, just in case you wanted another announcement, go, go, go wear a street Thunderwear. Use promo code RYM. You get 20% off. And, uh, your balls are going to feel great. So you can thank me. You can be like, Hey Rob, you know, I wasn't sure about that announcement. It seemed like it was droning a little bit. It seemed like you were saying a whole bunch and then you just weren't getting to the episode, which was an old episode anyways. And I don't even know why I listened to the show anymore, but then you told me about the sheetunderwear.com, and it's like my 50th time hearing about it. So I finally said, you know what, I'm going to go buy these underwears. And then I put my balls onto that little, uh, little cup for it. And I got a promotion because I'm walking around the office. I got a big smile. I got winter energy. I got the face of a guy who wears the best ever made underwear forged from the hands of gods named Robert who live in, uh, I don't know that he makes them by hand. He, he probably, but you know, he's got to press the buttons that gets them shipped in. So they're nearly forged by him. All right. That's the end of this promo code RYM sheathunderwear.com support our loyal sponsor and, uh, double episode, live episode from Tucson, followed by the one with Steven, and then live dates, Kansas City this weekend, Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, Kansas City, end of year at the Shell, hopefully some other dates coming soon so I could run the uh, end of year thing. Thanks, guys. What is up, Tucson, Arizona? Let me hear it. Fuck yeah. This is... This is the party crowd right here. All right, so let's get into it. Today's podcast, we are gonna be covering the competition between Britney Spears and Kanye West for who can make a better case for staying on your meds. Next, we got friends reveal Kanye West's favorite things about Hitler. With Black Friday sales followed by Sunday Monday deals and then a friendly email telling you that the item is just free, why companies send you emails to mock you for not finding the best pricing? Have you guys had that? Do you guys get sucked into Black Friday shit at all? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Dude, I've, I was like never into that. But then sometimes, I don't know, this year I spend three days in my house like a crazy person. All right. Moving on. Additional coverage of which your friends got a better discount on the exact items you purchased. Here's an important one. Why San Francisco's police department is developing killer robots to deal with its gay hooker problems. All that and more. All right. First topic. This one caught my eye. So you got the Federal Appeals Court keeps Biden's student loan forgiveness plan on pause in its latest rulings, uh, which is great because basically they said that they were gonna do uh, student loan debt forgiveness and then the midterm elections came around and then they're like, oh yeah, we're not allowed to do that. And I'm like, they might as well promise much better shit. You know what I mean? Like, you already don't have to deliver. You might as well promise no debts, and we're gonna bring in Ukrainian women to suck all your dick. Like, they might, as- you know what I mean? You can claim anything. It doesn't matter. Like, it just you claim whatever before, and then it turns out to be illegal. Now, I'm obviously I'm against debt forgiveness because I don't have any. So let's not do that. Like. I feel like I do not want to be competing with the same people that outcompeted me 10 years ago for women in mortgages. Like, that's it. It's like, you guys had your moment. Like, at what point does being fiscally conservative suddenly become a... Tra- it's like, fuck these people. You enjoyed it. You went to summer camp. They gave you free money. I don't want to fucking hear about it. All right. Now, this is what's wild. It's wild the conversation that was being had to do student loan forgiveness, and then it's wild why they unwound it. So the reason... Why Biden thought that it was legal for him to forgive student loan debt. I'll read it. Biden created the debt relief under the HEROES Act, which was passed after 9-11 sparked an American-led military campaign against terrorism. The act gave the administration authority to forgive student loan debt in association with military operations and national emergencies. Biden was able to invoke the law because he had already declared a national emergency for COVID-19.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. The the heroes that stayed home and watched Netflix. (laughs) Remember last year when they were telling everyone, hey, if you just stay home and don't go to work, you're a hero? Well, Biden's standing by it. (laughs) And he's using the authority that people that fought in wars could get their student loan forgiven, which by the way, they passed that law because they were hoping you would die. That was what they were hoping. (laughs) And they were like, oh, the odds are we're not gonna have to forget, You know, it's not gonna get paid anyways. Uh, but that's that's how much they're committing to their lie of that you were a hero if you stayed home. Like, that's how dumb they are. Just like, oh, well, we called the kids heroes so we can just forgive their debt now. All right, now this is what's even am- more amazing is that you gotta fight bullshit with bullshit, right? So they use bullshit of saying, hey, we had this COVID-19 emergency, you survived it, you're a hero. And so you would think that the way they would unwind it is basically by going, Well, this isn't fair. You can't just have that people take on debt, they make choices, and then the government just steps in and bails them out. And if they are going to bail them out, then whoever fraudulently gave these kids loans for degrees that they can never pay off should be going to jail. Or the agencies, the politicians that sold it, like if, if there's fraud involved, then people should be going to jail for it. But you can't just have total forgiveness. So then they try and do the total forgiveness. And the reason why, at least thus far, it's not allowed to happen, I'll read it. One of the plaintiffs in the case has more than 17,000 in student loans, but is ineligible for the program because her debt is commercially held according to court documents. Another plaintiff has more than 35,000 in federal student debts, but is ineligible for the full relief because he did not receive a Pell Grant. The pair argued they were denied an opportunity to comment and offer input on the president's student loan forgiveness plan. They asserted the government violated a federal law that usually requires agencies to seek public comment. It is being overturned because people were denied their ability to comment. (laughs) Isn't that a crazy, like for all the reasons that you would unwind it and go, you can't just wave a wand and tell some people that they get to have more free money. The reason why the injunction is because people were denied their right to comment. I, I mean, I don't even know why I read the news. It's like, it's just bullshit anyways. It's like, why do we have fucking court cases or court systems when it comes to technicalities of this sort, all right. Let's move on to our next topic, which is recent celebrity breakdowns. Uh, if you guys have not watched Britney Spears somehow find the most demonic angle in her house, like she's still kind of hot in a trashy way. Like she almost needs to work hard to be like, here, look, I'm a demon, but she does it. And I mean, we're getting walking proof that you know some people need handlers. That's what we're starting to learn. The other thing is I saw this footage come up this week and I'm like, you know what I want to see? I want to see a Kanye Britney Spears presidential ticket. That's what I want to see. Hell yeah. Let's get, let's roll, let's just basket all the freak shows together. And I think that it's that like, social media is killing celebrities because like, there used to be a time, like can you imagine if Elvis was on social media? Like the end of Elvis, if he was broadcast, he's like, hey baby. (laughs) I'm gonna eat some uh, peanut butter sandwiches, take a dumb shit. you hear some noises, don't come knocking. <laughs> Brings us to Kanye, uh, which I was bashing him. At first, I was lending my support. Then I was bashing him. And I got to tell you, after his last appearance on the Alex Jones show, this organization <laughs> is back <patting> on. <laughs> I, had, I had pledged my support for Yeezy the Great and then I had to retract it because he was being too boring? Well, here, I'll give the breakdown. So first is, the reason why I was supporting Kanye West is, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the last time he decided to run for president, he made one speech, he broke down in tears, he lost his girlfriend to Pete Davidson. <laughs> and so I see this and I'm like, well, let's, let's play this out. Let's see where this is gonna go. You know what I mean? If anything, I'm just like, this is fun. And it's a good distraction from the fact that the world is running out of food. So it's like, let's have some fun with it. And then by the way, people were giving him shit the last time uh, for um, him crying, but that might've actually been when he was having the prophecy of what the Jews were gonna do to him. So. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had one other line here. All right, moving forward. So first appearance was on the Tim Pohl Show. Pull, Pull, whatever. Uh, And I got upset with Kanye, because I was like, if you're going to be a bigot, that's fine, but you got to do it quicker. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like at least Hitler would yell. He would get his point across. Like, I'm watching Kanye, he's like fumbling, mumbling, and he's like, excuse me, don't interrupt me. I need my time to say nothing. Like, that's why, (laughs) that was the interview in a nutshell, where I was like, I don't care if you're going to be a bigot, just fucking tell me what your opinions are. Uh, Now this is what's so interesting to me is that then he went on to uh, Alex's Jones show and he shows up and uh, he fully endorsed Hitler that's what he did. (laughs) He said listen I think the problem in our world is we're not giving enough credit to Hitler we're not looking at all the good that he did and to showcase how serious he was he showed up like uh, like Spawn was doing motocross. Um, all right, I'm enjoying that with Kanye. Both sides are kind of proving themselves right. So, like to me, I'm I, like I just don't like censorship in any capacity, especially at this point. Like, let let the guy have fun.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, he's bipolar. Let him enjoy the upswing. Like, this is, you know how much fun this guy's having in his head right now. You're gonna blow this moment for him. <laughs> but I look at it, and it's like. You've, I, I, you proved that Jews have enough power to remove people from Twitter and engage in censorship. It's like, that would have just been conspiracy, but you actively proved that when someone made that claim, they can just be removed from social media. And then Kanye responded by proving that he was a person that needed to be removed from social media. You see what I'm saying? Like They both just managed to prove each other right. It's almost like the greatest dysfunctional relationship of all time. Worthy adversaries. And then amidst uh, you know Kanye showing up and throwing himself into the presidential race, you've got Biden who wanted to remind you, no, I'm the dumbest of everybody. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to be out of it. So he stepped in to remind everyone uh, that the Holocaust happened, just in case you were confused, in case you were listening to Kanye and you thought that someone needed to actually clarify this. He said, I just want to make a few things clear. The Holocaust happened. Hitler was a demonic figure. And instead of giving it a platform, our political leaders should be calling out and rejecting anti-Semitism wherever it hides. Silence is complicity. And I hate this logic. The silence is violence. You know what I mean? Because it's not. It's not. It's just like that, that. That's fucking nonsense. Like they try and pretend that was uh, what I, uh old grandma pants who ran for the Libertarian Party lost me on with the <laughs> Jorgensen. Jorgensen. Thank you. I'm retarded in live environments. Uh, no, that's what she... Because if you're not like ira- if you're not anti-racist, or no, you're not. That's not the way it works. You can go about your life, live your life, and create value for other people without engaging in politics in any capacity, without taking an opinion on this stuff. You you can actually. I'm not telling you to be, you can not have the most favorable opinions of other people and then not do anything with that and you're totally fine. You can be a good person without making it your life's mission to do what they're really talking about, which is engaging in censorship. That's really what it is. It's a, it's a call for censorship. It's a call for wealth distribution. This is not the highest of all immorality that you gotta spend your entire life declaring allegiances to anti, anti-racism, to pro-wokeness. Like, this is their bullying to make sure that you're on the team, that at every single point of the day, things that are as obvious to everybody, no one's listening to Kanye and going, you know what? I got to hate the Jews more. (laughs) This is really working out. Let's uh, let's deny the Holocaust. Let's get on board this train. I don't think he's winning people over that Biden needed to make an announcement of, all right, listen, I just wanted to clarify this. All right, now this is why I'm like just so completely done with almost all of like mainstream or just general media in any capacity. And granted this came out before the story, but like while actually interesting discussions are taking place about censoring people, not censoring people, they're reporting a former Yeezy employee said working for Kanye West was like being in a cult and she's had therapy since leaving the company. Dude, every dumb bitch who's ever got a job and got fired goes to therapy. Like, like the fact that you were upset at your job and needed therapy is not proof of the fact that you had a bad job. The fact that anybody does anything, individuals are not, you know what I mean? You can have a bad boyfriend and then go and you need therapy. That's not proof of the fact that that guy was a bad boyfriend. You know what I mean? That could just be that you guys didn't get along and you had some shit that you needed to deal with in your life. So it's like their ability to focus on the experience of one single individual, and then pretend like that's actually indicative or uh, proof of the reality that we live in. And then also to be focusing on these stories amongst everything else that's going on. It's just, uh, it, it, it showcases to me the level of just like, I mean, that's their fucking headline. Like that's, that, that, that's the most interesting aspect of this story is that Kanye might've been a bad boss. Now, to go after Kanye, the other thing that I don't understand about him is he wants to run for president, and he's the only, I mean, the guy dresses worse than I do. (laughs) The guy runs a fashion company, and it's like, basically, I would call it expensive but homeless. That's what I would call his look. I mean, everything about, if I showed you that, you'd be like, oh, some guy's about to rob a store. That's what that looks like right there. And to tell you, by the way, this is footage when he was running, like when he made his announcement and then he toured like his facility of the new clothes that were coming out. And then there, there's so much about the way he dresses that makes no sense. Firstly, I'm pretty sure that he must be like fat and just wear giant shoulder pads. Like I think that's, like I think that's his look. And then it, like, did the Jews put a curse on him that he's cold all the time? Is that why he's always wearing like jackets and sweatshirts? Like I don't even understand the look. Um, all right. So then I decided I wanted to do a little bit of research because firstly, I understand like wearing cheap clothing when it's not expensive. I don't understand this thing of the ultra expensive shitty clothing like that. I don't get, you know, like I'm a frugal man. Like if you told me, Hey, I went to fucking Goodwill and this is what I'm wearing. Cause it's comfortable. I'd be like, all right, cool, man. But if you told me, Hey, I just dropped $500 on that sweatshirt. Sure.
1: I'm
0: like, what, the, what are you doing? Like, I don't even, I literally don't even like, I just don't understand it. All right. So I decided I was gonna watch one of his, uh, (laughs) I I was like, I gotta watch one of his uh, uh, fashion shows, right? And I would basically call this look um, monk that is also a late night janitor. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a guy who's like, I'm gonna plunge this toilet with honor. (laughs) It's like functional, I I don't know, it's like a post-apocalyptic look of, here, here was some more from the fashion show. This guy is like, geez, mom, final, just like a bird. <laughs> or you got this lady who I think is trying to climb back into her mom's womb. I don't know. It's like, if you're gonna spend your life being anorexic, why not really show it off? Take me to your leader. Uh, which is why I'm launching my own company. It's called <laughs> stupiddoucheware.com. <laughs> And I just want to get the loudest and dumbest clothing. And I'll charge like $25,000 for one of these tracksuits. And people will be like, what is it? It'll be like, it was 25. It's just to show off how much fucking money you can spend at that point, right? If you guys want to invest, stupiddouchewear.com, And i will make the logo something like that. You just throw it on some fucking clothing. Who wants it? I'm seriously going to start selling this
1: shit. Stupiddouchewear.com.
0: $50,000, You can let people know. Who needs a Rolex when he can dress in shitty clothes? <laughs> All right, and speaking of worst dressed people, car slab. <laughs> so I'm trying to delve into the World Economic Forum, and it's surprising to me that there aren't more articles uh, about the guy. And I think the reason why is that he's just so transparently evil, it's almost not interesting. You know what I mean? It's almost like when you were thirteen and you started jerking off, and like you had friends that were embarrassed about it, and you'd be like, "No, I fucking jerk off. That's what I do." And you know, or like, or like you ever see like a depressed person, and like people start bullying, you and he's like, "Yeah, I do suck." Like I feel like he's like that. With you know, everyone's like, "Well, he's admitted to being a villain, so we don't have to write news stories about it." Like look at the way he dresses and talks about you know. And then I also like that evil people like this managed to couple up, because. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I look at this picture, I see them in a meeting, and she's like, are you sure that we're gonna be able to get rid of some of the population? (laughs) And he's like, I swear, before you're dead, we'll get rid of a bunch of them. (laughs) All right, so I decided to actually delve into some of the World Economic Forum, and I decided to read through some of the materials, and I was like, I'm curious to know, what do these people actually stand for? Because, like, you hear conspiracy talk of that these people are, you know, trying to reorganize the world with them on top, they want to get rid of food lines. They want to starve people. They want ESG scores. You're crazy shit. Some of you guys are like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but you read crazy shit, and then mainstream media doesn't cover it in any capacity. I still don't quite have a handle on how much influence these people really have. But they don't really – the weirdest part about it is that you got people – that are not voted in by us who are trying to make decisions about our healthcare and the way we're running our government. And to me, that's treason. I don't understand it. You guys are not our elected officials. I don't want to listen to some, I I, I don't know, some guy who literally sounds like a bond villain uh, talking about (laughs) shutting down energy and us eating bugs. Like, I don't want to hear that. Like, that's not, you're not my elected official. So I decided to delve in a little bit. And so I'm going to read you guys some of what I came across. So first is you do have some really big. I'm going to adjust this. Hold on one second. We can make that clearer. There we go. It's like it's like a, it's like an eye test. Doesn't it, doesn't help that I got shaky hands. All right. So you got big names that are going out there. Like you got John Kerry. He's out there. John Kerry seems to be big on the uh, on the green energy. Like that guy's really trying to make his money. He's like the new Al Gore. Um, All right, and then I was reading through some of their documents. So this is their document of the Global Risk Report, 2022 17th edition insight report. And let's read their first paragraph because I think this says it all. I can't read. At beginning of the COVID-19 and its economic and uh, societal consequences, I cannot read that. I can't, I need glasses. Can someone else read this? (laughs) Hold on, hold on, we're gonna make this ultra crispy. Oh, so Chris. Oh, yeah. No, that's so Chris. All right, here we go. Uh, continue to pose a critical threat to the world, vaccine inequality and, uh, and a resultant uneven economic recovery risk, compounding social fractures and geopolitical tensions. A lot of big words, don't worry. Here's the good one. In the poorest 52 countries, home to 20% of the world's people, only 6% of the population had, vaccine, had been vaccinated at the time of writing. That's the problem is that we didn't vaccinate enough of the poor. The people that are dealing with less covid because they haven't been vaccinated. This is the most ignorant take like it, like I don't care what the rest of your document says if, it, if the starting point of it is that the people that no longer have to deal with covid-19 because they didn't get an experimental mRNA therapy are still at risk. Like, yeah. what science is backing they this claim? Literally, none of it. of it. And <laughs> this is this is the start of hey, you guys got to put us all in charge to deal with the world because if not, more people are going to end up without the uh, you know the new technology that is giving women heavier Where's periods. <laughs> uh, what was that? Where's their trash mouth? What does that mean? Trash mouth? Oh, the Paxlovid. Yeah. You see, I understood that. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the audience did know what not. Uh, so you got Paxlovid. that's the new drug for COVID. And I, I don't know enough about it to know if it like works or not. Uh, but it's funny that amongst the people that are taking it, a significant percentage of them uh, get a disgusting taste in their mouth that you can't get rid of. And it's been described as uh, tasting like burning garbage. Like literally. Okay. And, and you're literally stuck with it. And once you start taking the medication, they advise not getting off of it. Um, the other thing is a lot of people that take it also get a rebounding effect where that means that after having COVID and experiencing garbage mouth, they then get COVID again. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing that's incredible is that they keep claiming that that's rare, uh, except that <clears throat> Fauci, um, uh, uh, Walachinsky, who's the head of uh, the CDC uh, and Biden. So the three of the most public health officials all took Paxlovid after being boosted four times and getting COVID and then had a rebound case. So rare or not, I'm calling bullshit. Okay, here we go. Here are the biggest uh, risks according to the world economic foreman. Climate action failure is their first biggest risk. All right, so now we know where these people are coming from because you know what the, you know what the biggest risk to all of us is? It's somebody stepping in, uh, driving up energy costs, and basically starving people amongst the world and halting economic development in the name of, hey, if we don't get involved, terrible things are going to happen to the planet. I'm not even saying that global warming isn't real. There might be a degree of global warming, but we are significantly more at risk by centralized government trying to deal with the problem than anything that the planet can fucking do to us. That's just, yeah, food shortages. That's a much, all right, next is extreme weather. There's been extreme weather here forever. There's nothing like, it's not, weather's gonna weather, planet's gonna planet. There's been volcanoes, there's been fucking meteors. We'll be okay. Biodiversity loss, I don't even know what that means. Social cohesion erosion, I don't know what that means either. Livelihood crisis, that's after they take everyone's money. That's what they're talking about. They're like, we know that once we ruin the energy grid, there's gonna be a livelihood crisis. Infectious diseases, which once again, when you got Fauci and labs creating new uh, viruses that never existed before, you're creating things out of China. Um, Debt crisis, all right, you guys get it. So. Their biggest focus, focus is climate action failure. All right, now, what's this year's meeting about? The war in Ukraine and the resulting tragedy calls for global moral action. Leaders will address urgent humanitarian security challenges as they simultaneously advance long-standing economic, environmental, and social priorities, all while reinforcing the foundations of a stable global system. What does that even mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a good point. For everyone listening, he said, what the fuck does that even mean? What that means is we're gonna cherry pick moral problems and pretend like the entire world needs to come together to deal with those moral problems. So in this case, they're saying, hey, what's going on in the Ukraine is so terrible. We need a global system, right? We need all of these countries to come together and hyper focus on things. And it's whatever we're gonna say is extremely important. Uh, Which obviously in the case of Ukraine, I mean, we're literally ruining the country and throwing Ukrainian debts at Russia to try and beat Russia in a spending war while we're spending more money than we're spending in Afghanistan. It doesn't make any sense in any capacity, but that's what they're pushing. All right, we got a couple more here. An initiative on universal environmental, social and governance, ESG metrics and disclosures to measure stakeholder capitalism. So what they're describing here is essentially they wanna bail out all of their investments in green energy and they wanna legislate away using carbon so that essentially they can live on the top and be profitable in things that wouldn't exist in a free market and drive up the cost on everything so that essentially uh, we can't afford stuff unless we're renting green energy from them. But what's interesting is just like, this is all very transparent, you know what I mean? It's like, if you just delve into it a little bit, if you just understand what ESG scores are, you just understand what they're pushing with the Ukraine war, you understand what they're doing with global warming. It just becomes very transparent that these people are saying, we want to control everything because if we don't control everything, then the free markets are gonna, I don't even know, like they don't even conclude it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just like, they want to create this reality where it's like, if they don't aren't on top controlling all the resources, we're all doomed to die. That's basically, <laughs> and it's, it's not true, but that's what they're going for. Um, Now, this one's wild. Accelerating the reskilling revolution. With labor markets in flux from the fallout of the pandemic, technological shifts in the green transition. You notice how they're labeling it? The green transit? You mean the thing that you guys have planned? (laughs) This is them literally letting us know that they will be putting people out of work. (laughs) They're saying we're going to have a green transition and up to 1 billion people will need reskilling. There's a billion people that, that they plan on putting out of work and then I guess, I don't know, they'll have them dig ditches and get a check for fun. I don't even know. Yeah. All right. A couple more things to unlocking carbon markets. That's uh, averting a global food crisis. Wait. So we aren't going to have a global food crisis, (laughs) the thing, the thing that nobody's talking about, like, so this is actually a real risk. Here we go. This is from their document. The world may be facing the world's worst food crisis in decades, driven by the compounding effects of COVID-19 climate change and conflicts such as war in the Ukraine. All right, now, firstly, the compound effects of COVID-19, they're talking about them fucking up the supply line by shutting shit down, right? And then the conflicts of the war in Ukraine, well, maybe you shouldn't have uh, picked a fight with Putin if we didn't have enough food for everybody. You know what I mean? You guys, it, it almost sounds like you guys are trying to do this so that there will be a food crisis. Like, you're telling me that the actions that you've taken might lead to a food crisis. That's basically what you're describing here. All right, let's continue. Uh, in Ukraine, exasper I don't know that word, already skyrocketing food, and energy prices and severe hunger. What global priorities and businesses' actions are imperative to mitigate these global shocks and address the interrelated risk threatening food systems everywhere? This session was developed, and now this is great, in partnership with CNN. Wait, oh, so you're telling me CNN knows about the food crisis? I haven't seen any footage on CNN about us running out of food because of COVID-19. I haven't heard them talking about how we're gonna run out of food because of the Ukraine war that we've started. You know what I mean? So it seems like, what what are you guys in the know about that you're not actually uh, reporting to the rest of us? Um, All right, let's move on. Next topic is uh, the Twitter files. you guys see that drop yesterday? (laughs) Uh, well first is, it was convenient that they dropped that on Twitter, which is also the most annoying place to read that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can't you just put this one out as a news article or a blog post? This is fucking annoying. All right, And then, uh, I personally, I find Matt TV annoying to read. You guys find him annoying to read? Yes. yes. Yeah? I just, like, it's just the whole thing going back. Get to I, the point. Get to the fucking point. And I don't need your <laughs> dumb examples of like, the, the the vampires sucking the whatever. Just make your fucking point. You're making bald people look bad. <laughs> uh, all right. Now I read through the whole thing and it was interesting to me that people even made such a stink out of it because to me it was all blatantly obvious. Like we even had uh, uh, Jen Psaki saying in a like in a hearing once that we do coordinate with social media companies uh about information on their platform so we already knew this to be true we knew that the hunter biden thing was obviously i mean we know that they took the new york post off we know that it was censored i guess the only thing that's a little bit interesting here is that it confirms the fact that government was actually emailing them and then they would just go okay we'll take things down now you would hope that that would be a second uh a freedom of speech like red line where you're like the government's not allowed to do that right they're not allowed to censor us the problem is, I'm just telling you guys, they're gonna go, we never told them they had to. We were saying that we thought that this was dangerous and we were hoping that they would share our perspective of this being dangerous and that that's why it was removed from the platform. We live in a, uh, like in a world where it's like, they're very good at creating gray areas of under what exact, pot, like who exactly is telling me that I have to do this? They're very good at threat and intimidation and it's very difficult to like, it takes you so much time and money to beat the government at that game for them to just go, oh, I guess we didn't have the authority. You know what I mean? It's a very difficult fight. So if they kind of what they do is they intimidate you and they go, well, we recommend that you would take this down. And you're like, all right, the mob just made a recommendation, I guess. I guess we'll we'll follow it. All right, so I went through it. And this was the, uh, the big email. Was I support the conclusion that we need more facts to assess whether materials were hacked. At this stage, however, it is reasonable for us to assume that they may have been and that caution is warranted. There are some facts that indicate the material may have been hacked, while there are others indicating that the computer was either abandoned or the owner consented to allow the repair shop to access it for at least some purposes. Now I read that, and you know what I'm thinking? Kind of sounds like a news editor. bad. Doesn't that sound like, but but the point I'm trying to make is that their entire thing is that they're not editors, and so that they don't have like the uh, same laws as publishers. But it sounds to me like if you're having a meeting and you're trying to vet whether or not something should be a trusted or not trusted source, that sounds like journalism and that sounds like the conversation an editorial team would be having. You guys see what I'm saying? So firstly, to take a step back, we all understand that this is tech censorship. We also understand that is happening in collusion with government and that maybe it's with a wink and a nod or whatever else. But the other thing is they do have the freedoms from lawsuits or whatever else because they're supposedly not journalists. But you look at these conversations behind the scenes and I don't know, I I don't know how you would see that not as essentially journalism. Publishers. Uh, Publishers, thank you. So this was the other line was that they responded to a congressman uh, who was concerned about it. They said the press secretary's account was not permanently suspended. We requested that she delete the tweet containing material that is in violation of our rules, which is always the way they do it is that, well, we got a policy. And they're like, yeah, well, your policy is discriminatory. And they're like, well, that's our policy. Well, that's not helpful. I'm telling you that you got a dumb fucking policy. <laughs> All right. And then uh, a couple more topics. Macron tells Elon Musk that Twitter must follow the rules of the EU. Um, which, you know, he's, oh, you know what, let's read it. This is actually worth reading. French President Emmanuel Macron told Twitter CEO Elon Musk that his company must follow the rules of the European Union regarding content moderation. In a conversation on Friday in the United States held, oh, no, no, I want to read, I think it's the next, here's the piece that's worth reading. Macron reiterated, and just remember before I read this that the French are gay, so. (laughs) That's why they have this policy. (laughs) Uh, Macron reiterated these concerns during an interview with Good Morning America calling the recent changes at twitter a big issue macron added Why, what i push for much for is exactly the opposite more regulation free speech in democracy is based on respect and public order you can demonstrate you can have free speech you can write what you want but there are responsibilities and limits and to me free speech with limits you're describing rape but with permission <laughs> that's what that is like you either have it or you don't it's not you know what i mean if you have free speech, then it's not, well, we can have free speech, but only if it's freedom of speech that won't lead to things that we say could lead to things that are dangerous. You're editorializing there. That's giving people too much power. You can claim that anything can lead to danger. I mean, they claim that me telling jokes leads to danger. That's what they say. Where's the proof of that? You ever see it? Rising anti-Semitism? How the fuck do you, where was that metric? What the fuck are you talking about? Rising it because Kanye is saying some stupid shit. That's one person, one person. That's all of a sudden proof that there's rising anti-Semitism, one person with bipolar. All right. We're going to skip that. Oh, did you guys see this guy?
1: Woo!
0: Yeah, he basically... Um, <laughs>
1: say he, bro. What the
0: fuck is that? Uh, he's a they, them. Just to clarify, if you were ever confused about what a they, them is, it's... Uh, it's this thing right here. Yeah. What the fuck <laughs> is that? <laughs> it's uh anyways, he stole a suitcase. Did you guys see this news story? He stole a suitcase and I think he thought he was going to get away with it because probably more often than not when they look in the security footage they're like I don't want to deal with this guy. Like they're like they're like whatever whatever that whatever that them needs, you know. Just let him have it. I uh, San Francisco police are controversially asking permission to use killer robots on civilians, and why not just try arresting people? <laughs> That's an option too. You can just like go back to when people commit crimes arresting them and removing homeless people. I don't know why you suddenly need killer robots. Uh, killer robots freak me out just because like, yeah. I, I mean, where, where are we going with that when government's got killer robots? All right, I'm tiring myself out. Let's do uh, two more and let's call it today. Omicron boosters probably aren't very effective against mild COVID illnesses, but will likely prevent hospitalizations, experts say. That's right now. It's not, aren't very effective, but likely. It's basically, we're we're two years in and they're like, yeah, we still don't fucking know, but. Just take more of it because maybe, that's basically their argument at this point, maybe. So just more of it, all right. Last is this might have been the greatest Freudian slip that's ever happened in all of humanity. Let's give it a listen. Wait, wait. Let me make it louder. Let me make it louder. Hey. uncle
1: joe you know what
0: happened to him. You know, it's okay. I don't know some folks in our lives. We don't wish them ill will. They say crazy stuff. We're like, well, you know, Uncle Joe. You know what happened to him. You know, it's okay. They're part of the family. But you don't give them serious (laughs) responsibility in our lives. If you didn't hear what he said. He said, we all know a folk in our lives, Uncle Joe, who says crazy shit, and so you don't give him real responsibilities. <laughs> and he could have picked any name. <laughs> and somehow he went, <laughs> uh, uh, we gotta stop listening to this Joe guy. <laughs> all right, that's it for the live show. Thanks everybody. This is an emergency broadcast. I want to call it a night. This is the Thanksgiving blowout Wednesday, sluts are out there. They're getting hammered. They came back into town. You pretend like you went to whatever school they went to, pull the old... uh, I've never done that. I don't think I've ever gone out on this night. We we used to shed. There was a time when we used to do a bunch of drugs in the shed on this very night, but didn't happen this time. Anyways, we're about to get into an emergency broadcast with Steven, a resident non-scientist. You know why? Because there's new COVID out there. There's new COVID data. You guys need to know this data, but Seeing as how this is COVID related, I'm only live on YouTube for the first couple of minutes to basically let you guys know that there's an episode going on and that uh you should move over to Twitch or Twitter to follow along. We're not gonna be able to take comments, but you know, we're just trying to be good members of the YouTube community and let people know that they can hang out in cooler places and actually get content that they enjoy. Uh so you know, anyways, um Guys, bunch of live dates coming out, coming out, end of year. Uh, misinformation Spectacular Round 2 is uh, coming together. Uh, Kansas City, Omaha, Nebraska, uh, 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 Tucson, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, going to be back at the Shell for New Year's. Just uh, got a Boston date. Hopefully, uh, going to do a date in Philly, I'm trying to find a location. Hopefully going to do New York City They're lining some shit up. So come hang out. Uh, and then also, guys, load up on sheath. Go to sheathunderwear.com. Use Actually, don't use my promo code. Just email Robert and pretend like you purchased more than you did and that you didn't use the promo codes so that he's not going to be able to track it anyways. That's what you should do. Go load up on underwear and then take pictures of your junk and how much better it looks in sheath. Make sure to take before and after pictures. It's okay if you stuff the sheath hole later with someone else's dick or a dildo if someone else's penis in your underwear is weird to you. I'm not trying to judge your sexuality. That's not what this show is about. We're trying to get into COVID misinformation. I'm not trying to judge you and whether or not you like putting other people's sheath into your sheath hole while you're wearing the sheath. Maybe you got a really small wiener, and you can fit both of your uh, dick and balls just onto the comfortable ball shelf, and then you can put someone else's wiener into the wiener hole like coming around the corner. I mean, that guy's got a really big wiener. Maybe he's like standing right behind you, almost snuggling you. Wiener's going all the way around down the down the sheath hole. And then you could just send Robert the picture of the before and after of you and your, uh, uh, you know, your shitty old fruit of the looms with no wiener action whatsoever. And then the sheath uh, underwear picture, which is the after picture, where now you got a big old wiener hog. Um, So that's, uh, go do that. Thanksgiving sale. Go load up to our loyal sponsor, sheath been here the entire year and then of course you will create him home the six dollar kilo all right steven why don't we just let people know why we're doing an emergency broadcast without saying anything that would be bad for this platform we'll tease the segment and then i'll uh just pull down the stream and we'll uh remain live on twitter
1: right well um the washington post recently broke some news And I guess we'll wait to read the news. But that being said, I almost threw uh, my drink against the wall in the middle of the day and just yelling because the headline news story is this is no longer a pandemic of the unvaccinated because in, in the United States for the month. There have been 58% of the deaths are actually of the vaccinated population. And
0: we can't get in trouble for that because that's straight from the uh, Washington Post. So uh, before it. we break down the information, because then, you know, I guess... Well, let's just... All right. We're done with uh <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Steven, let's get into this. One thing that right. I want to prime our listeners to be on the lookout for, and maybe we'll even read pieces from this article, is I love how transparently obvious it is. And it's always been obvious to our listeners because we've broken it down, but it's interesting to see how the CDC is still trying to sell the story, which obviously showcases the fact that they're not just a third party, but for some reason, they're actually representing big pharma and trying to sell this vaccine. And it's interesting to me, the way that they still try and piece together statistical information to try and go, here's some random facts and figures to make it look like the, the that this is still a good idea. But and you and I will get into the specifics on this. It's like there are you clearly have the data and there's very simple questions that you could be asking to actually showcase whether or not this is a valuable product for people in different uh, of different age groups. And it's very obvious to see the way that they're cherry picking it, that they're still trying to sell this thing. Uh, so, but
1: so, yeah. So first off, just to the point, like you'll see them, they'll they'll read the article and then the whole rest of the, the, I mean, they'll they'll say the statement of fact for the article of what they found in the data, but the rest of the article is explaining why you shouldn't consider the vaccines not to work, and so it's just holding water for them. But, uh, but yeah. All right, so
0: before we even get into the article, why don't you lay on everyone what the most recent data even is in regards to – because I've seen other stories at this point. There was actually an article that David Stockman put out yesterday that I meant to text her away to see if it was valid because it was a place that i never seen. But it was showcasing like – well, first, it was was showing pretty high vaccine injury numbers from uh, studies prior to – the vaccine being put out, but then it was also showcasing like significantly worse performance and people had been vaccinated, which is something that you said was possible at the beginning. You did your whole demonstration with your fingers and V spikes and that maybe would attract stuff. I listened to shit. Anyways, before we go on all sorts of nonsense, and I'm going to let you talk more. I've spoken so much for the last three days. I got no juice left in the tank. So Steven, starting point. What are we seeing in terms of uh, like the the people who have been vaccinated? It's just totally not working at this point or something.
1: Yeah. And so so it is important to put into context. So about 80 percent of the United States is vaccinated for what they say. So it's not terribly surprising that you would say you would think of something where 80 percent of the population has something that more than 50 percent in the subpopulation would. But, right, but that's also point-
0: I, I I'm sorry because this yes, is go, go, go that's fucking worthless yes. because who gives a shit about yes. the figure that it's more of the total amount of people are getting sick? This is the same thing we would have needed from the fucking beginning is give me the comparative number of let's go with the healthy 20-year-olds. Healthy nice. 20 to 30-year-olds, the ones that have been vaxxed and the ones that aren't vaxxed, what are the actual numbers looking like? Let's look at that every fucking category. And if you actually want a real information, that's the only thing you would fucking look at. You're, you're, you're stat of the fact of, oh, it looks like more people have been vaccinated. <laughs> and so the people getting sick are amongst the vaccine group, yeah, well, that, I guess that is fucking obvious because that's more of the people available to get sick. But it right. still does showcase the fact that when you initially told people, hey, get this thing. Well, it cl- that clearly didn't work. And 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 now I guess your numbers are going to be screwy where be even also would be interesting to know, all right, well, of the people who are getting boosted, is that even working any better than the people who are not choosing to get
1: boosted? But more and more importantly, too, and what they won't tell you in the study is that the, the percent of deaths that the vaccinated makeup of the total percent of COVID deaths has been steadily rising since Uh, July of 21. So essentially last summer for the, for the last year, the percent has gone up from 23% to 40%. And now we're at 58% of the deaths in the United States are of the vaccinated people. So this isn't just a spontaneous one month. This is a trend. And also if you're looking at the deaths per week, oh, interesting. Yeah. And also the deaths per week, more people granted more people died in the winter of last year during the, 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 the Delta wave, I believe it was, but The summer of last year was actually relatively benign, if you remember, and the death rates was coming down drastically. And so there's actually slightly more people dying now than did last summer. But last summer, it was only 23 percent of the deaths were vaccinated. And during this, we
0: we currently have more deaths than we did last summer. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 And it
0: just showcases a how much they got it wrong and b
1: like how much we were just being sold on panic. Deaths per week. Exactly. Right. Right. And and um, but then granted into the winter, it spiked up to about three times what it is now. And that's where that's where we had Delta. And then it came crashing down. And now it's right back to where we were a little bit higher in the summer. But again, that percentage of positive deaths is higher. And the amount of people getting vaccinated in the year 2022 is extremely low. So most people were already vaccinated. And so the only thing that changed here is time. And, right. and and then and, and which goes to show you, this is what happens when you don't study a time time with the vaccine. Right. They, they rushed the trial and they did a lot of maybe lab tests, but they didn't study people over time. All right. So
0: just the people at this point who are listening, they know as much as we know. We've done a lot of coverage on this. And honestly, sadly, we're rehashing what's <laughs> old news for us because mainstream media is finally admitting to things that we've been ahead on the curve on all of this. So I'm going to hand it back to you, but why don't we just start with, uh, we're going to do a shorter episode, but let's start with what's new information. Like what, what is, what is new here that, you know, people might not have been aware of or is a recent admission from
1: mainstream media? Yeah. So, I mean, even if we go back to the, the PowerPoint I got to give at at your event, just using their own data against them, right? So we know that uh, the data collection is very variable and and it can be uh, exaggerated. But if you can use their own like time-tested data that they've collected the same way throughout time against them, and by doing that, you can show that, yeah, there are more people vaccinated, and now there are more people dying that are vaccinated from COVID. So you can clearly kind of delineate that as time goes on, these vaccines lose lose their efficacy while the risk of the vaccine still remain there. All right.
0: So what from this article do you want me to pull up? What do you want to what do you want to break down?
1: To be honest, th- this article is a very thirty thousand foot view. Um, the the biggest uh, I want to talk a little bit about the myocarditis findings. Um, All right, we'll probably finished with that. But but this is I mean this just uh, speaks for itself. And yeah, the nuance is that about eighty percent population is vaccinated. But that shouldn't matter. We're not talking about a spectrum. If you're vaccinated from a disease, you shouldn't get infected from the disease, according to the definition, and you shouldn't die from the disease either. So by at no point when the deaths are just as high as they were last summer, should we even be considering the majority of people that are dying are vaccinated? And there's no excuses that you can give. You can't say that, oh, yeah, well, the people that are vaccinated are dying are old. Well, isn't that who you designed the vaccine to fucking protect in the first place? So, so it's just different levels of admission that like, what are we doing here? And, you know, it, it never really was a vaccine. It was a preventative genetic therapy, genetic therapy, because it's using these MRNAs to kind of hijack your body to kind of create a response that they hope is going to resemble a vaccine. And it did in some people for a little bit, but it clearly didn't now. And, and again, by totally disregarding the, the risk of the vaccine that doesn't care about how old you are. Right. So when you get the vaccine, those. Uh, the myocard- well, the myocarditis and the various side effects—they're a lot less uh, dependent on your health status and your own body choices and your own age than actually getting COVID is. So, so COVID obviously preferentially targets people based on their age and their health. The vaccine deaths do not. So, Got so it. yeah, so 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 if if you want you if you again the risk reward gets drastically oh. different. And then on
0: the myocarditis, that's because I had hit you up earlier this week. I forgot what I was doing, but I was curious to see the comparative numbers as they're still advocating for kids to... um, All right. Well, let's state it differently. They're now doing long-term health health studies for uh, myocarditis. Now, what seems surprising about that is that they're admitting to the fact that myocarditis exists. They're admitting to the fact that um, there are people that are getting bad myocarditis, that they don't know... Exactly how bad it isn't they have to study it, and yet they're still advocating that kids get vaccinated. I mean, that's the official policy. People might be ignoring it, but that's the official policy. I mean, they're even recommending, I believe, get making sure that you're up to date with the most recent boosters. Yes. So if you're gonna make that recommendation, I was curious to know well, what are the risks of being hospitalized from COVID if you're a kid versus the risk of um getting myocarditis? And obviously considering the fact that getting vaccinated is not saving you. Right. Right. So it becomes, well, why are we going to get like something to people that might put them at risk for something that's even
1: worse? So I asked
0: you to do the math and you came back with it.
1: Yeah. So for, for myocarditis for young men, specifically in this 15 to 24 year old range, we're talking one in 10,000 that will get vaccinated will develop a form of myocarditis. One in ten thousand. That's a hundred per million. That 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 uh, or 0.01 percent. Unbelievable, right? And then what I did is I looked at the total number of deaths of people in that age group in the United States for the past two and a half years, and divided that by the total population of people uh, of that age group in the United States. And both of those calculations, I'm assuming something. So in one, I'm assuming that everyone in that age group got infected in the past two years of COVID and then those deaths are the real numbers. But at the same time, I'm also assuming that the deaths reported were real deaths. So those are actually on opposite sides of the, so I'm I'm taking that assumption on opposite sides, which should even out. Does that make sense?
0: Well, it seems to me, I I mean, I actually think it's a very fair assumption that nobody hasn't already gotten COVID. I mean, it's right. crazy. There's no chance. And then this calculation would be in someone's trying to sell the vaccine's favor because we also know that the deaths will be overstated because the people that died with COVID is going to firstly, not people that necessarily died from COVID. And even if they did die from COVID, I would assume even with kids, some of the people that died from COVID, it was actually a pull forward effect because there must have been something. So in other words, the death number from COVID is going to be higher than the actual number of people that would have been alive if not for COVID in any given age group. Right, right.
1: And and but even taking their word for it. So we right. you know, I did that calculation and so that your death rate as a, as a kid is 0.004%. That's, that's basically your kill risk at any time, you know, through the past two years of dying from COVID and, in and, that our, age. and your myocarditis risk is 0. 0. 0. 0. 0.01, which is two and a half times greater. Okay. And what was your risk of hospitalization from COVID or you're not See, sure? See that I didn't even look into just because right. the just because that hospitalization so variable is it a concern, mom, or is it a real you know? So I I can't even look into that because it's right. not real data, yeah. But got but it. the deaths are the you know deaths are binary and the amount right. and like you said, dude, every one of the, every one of us got infected twice, dude. Let alone not even once, yeah.
0: Oh, which also by the way, that changes the equation as well. Yeah, yeah it does because does. now you're living post already having had COVID. So immunity. like while it yeah. right so might have made sense if you're at risk for getting the original like if you go back in time and you go you're at risk for the original variant and so there's a 0.04 percent uh 0.004 percent risk of right. death you might go oh well that's a certain calculation but now the, that 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 number is not even relevant for post mm-hmm. for now the are current are variant right. and the fact that you have natural immunity from the original one right. so.
1: And the virus mutates to get less. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you would really have to give it to them. There's a point. We now <laughs> yeah. know that there's a point zero one percent chance in. Uh, and let's go with the most at risk category, which I, right. I guess is eighteen. I'm, I'm sorry, like five to eighteen males. Yeah. Or like, like, the or the like fifteen to six, six. Yeah, something in there. Yeah. So in that age group, on what basis would you possibly
1: <laughs> make this recommendation? And, and medical doctors and pediatricians and the CDC are doing it with a straight face. And so is Fauci from, from the thing. Um, I don't know if it's doubling down. I, I I don't know. They know, though. They know. Yeah,
0: they don't want a track record. I th- feel like they're just trying to get as much of this into as many people as they can to keep as little of a track record of a comparative <laughs> study as possible. That, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, all right, Stephen. Stephen. Anything else uh, you want to mention or that's it? We, we got the calculations out. We informed people of the most recent science and it's incredible that they're still trying to even spin this. At what uh, point do they just fucking walk away from this and go, fuck
1: us? Yeah, I mean, I th- maybe they just got to keep doing it till COVID goes away, but- But these are all smoking guns, you know, like, I I don't know what, how, what more you can say or show about what happened in the past few years.
0: I mean, if you just look at the information that we've gotten from the last, uh, two months, uh, so they've admitted that, uh, there's been an increase in menstruation and they somehow, that wasn't public information. No,
1: people just go shut up and ban them on Twitter. Right. Talking about it.
0: Right. So we found out that that one was accurate. (laughs) Uh, then uh, they admitted, all right, we have to start doing some long-term health studies
1: and also the boosters the, the, we need to update they don't work
0: right. And then I uh, we're seeing they're not even trying to claim anymore that it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated right and, and these and are, and, and, right. Yeah. And these are the like the newspapers that you know, we're, we're shunning people like us forever that are now starting to report this information. So you would have to think that like, we must be at the beginning of them kind of starting to walk it back. Like, so imagine the articles
1: we're going to be seeing two or three months from now. I, you know, I haven't been to, uh, the hospital for a while, nor have I worked in one, but you know, I, I can't imagine had the relationship with like your medical doctor or your pediatrician that was pushing this shit in you or your quadruple vax you know, super smart doctor that you go to for all your shit. It's like, I'm up to leeches and witch doctors. If yeah.
0: Tick, that's I'm uh i I'm going to Haiti and just seeing whatever
1: the fuck they got. Dude, I won't blame you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like what is even going on anymore, man? I don't know. Right. But shit. All right. Well, we did it.
0: COVID emergency, uh, briefing, Late yeah. night, Stephen was all ramped up. So, you know, you know, you gotta give people an outlet. You can't just have you yeah. walking around your neighborhood and
1: just yelling to myself rolling like, around in your
0: head. You can't have that. Swearing at Fauci. Like, what is this guy yelling at, dude? <laughs> uh, oh, and wait, and you had some good information, some news for me that you think uh you think I'm gonna get a Gemini bailout
1: yeah yeah so what's funny is i'm pretty pissed they call it gemini earn it should have been called genesis earn because they right. just shipped that shit to a different company and of course then they dig up in their terms of service and like the last paragraph in small small font like oh no no no. we could actually do this and fuck you yeah the winkle boss fucking buttfuckers right and, and so that was that was the play for celsius uh voyager's a little bit different but then celsius went bankrupt but the difference there is the ceo of celsius was also a criminal so there's also some like over leveraged stuff but long story short with genesis and gemini they're part of a pretty big family of uh, a blockchain group that's been around for about 10 years and the money that they owe is about 500 million to a billion which sounds like a lot but it's not terribly a lot when they also own assets that have about 200 million in monthly revenue and um you know I don't have a good track record of calling these things because this is what I thought was Celsius but what, what happens is when you loan stuff out you're at, you need to loan it out to get to get yield and then when everyone gets scared and goes on a bank run, you don't have all their deposits. You know, very right. rarely are you over collateralized for stuff you're loaning out because then, you know, you're eating away at your margins. So, so basically what happens is they need to pause and they need to wait for the terms of whatever they lent out to finish so then they can get your collateral back. And so that's why they're not just going to go up into bankruptcy and then flip all of us off and say, see you in court. And then maybe we can claw back like 70 or 60 percent like these other companies are doing. So right. that's kind of what Genesis is. Doing now, and they're actually so they're that they actually about, they actually
0: make two hundred million. What do you say? How often?
1: Every month, but this is with the GBTC. So the, basically, the parent company, right? Uh, it's like digital uh, currency group. They, right, they, the they, only
0: the only thing that would be flaw in that two hundred million uh, figure is that I guess that also somewhat probably presumes that their own lending is being used to purchase assets that's further driving up prices.
1: The 200 million is a different company. Okay. It's a sister company in the portfolio so so there's like a
0: nonsense talk
1: yeah yeah i know basically it's just it's another sister company that makes a lot of money versus this one company that's kind of struggling lending and so and so they can kind of the 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 idea is that they can play them off each other or, or raise money for one and flip it in the other and essentially that if they if they get bankrupt one it's such a bad look it's not worth going through the process to do with the other one i got it yeah, all right yeah.
0: that's our episode thank you everyone for hanging out with us have a great thanksgiving mm-hmm. eat some turkey make some sandwiches cranberry sauce bread uh and some hot sauce with some turkey Ooh. uh come out to the live shows uh and uh that's it thanks everyone for hanging out with us go get yourself some sheath underwears while they got discounts of the year mr stephen happy thanksgiving yeah. buddy
1: you as well my friend have a good break peace hell yeah later